Dear Father in heaven, we are thankful that we can be here because of the, the truth of the promise of thou being in the midst of us. What a precious promise this is. And we realize it comes with a responsibility in our part too, dear Father, to reflect thee, to be open to thee, to be obedient to our Lord and Master. We must acknowledge thy presence this morning hour, that thou art here in the midst of us, in power and in might, but in comfort and, and in a way that each one of us needs. We claim this promise, dear Father, and we ask for grace to be acceptable in thy sight, to be a prepared people that welcome their king. Lord Jesus, speak to us. Show us where we are not perfectly conformed to thy image. Help us, those that are struggling under heavy loads, be with them, dear Father. Help them and strengthen them. Those that are uh, struggling with sickness and illness, dear Father, help them to know that the burden is not too great, that they can turn to a Lord and a Savior who has experienced all things like we have. We thank thee so much for this. We ask now, please be with us. In, in the name of Jesus, amen. I'd like to continue in uh, the epistle of James, James chapter 2. James chapter 2, starting with verse 1. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you, and draw you before the judgment seats? Do they not blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called? If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin, and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. 
I've read to chapter uh, to verse 13 of James chapter 2. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's bow down and worship. We are so thankful that not only are thou great and powerful and creator of all and judge of all and Lord of all and in control, but thou art merciful. Thou dost teach us to love all, to not only not treat people according to their deserts, but also show mercy and grace because we have received grace. Father, help us to this morning see how much we have received at your hand, how little we are and how loved we are that we can allow ourselves to be conduits of that love, that we would not compare ourselves with one another, not feel superior or smug or um, entitled or deserving. Lord, we deserve your wrath. And we are so thankful that we can, by your mercy, extend mercy. We pray that this would be our heart. Father, we know there are many who are struggling this morning. We think of our dear friend Harry in the hospital, Father. We just pray for him. Father, he is so close to making a public confession of faith. We pray that this you would redeem even this crisis that he's going through, that he would come and to a, a point of, of, of healing, physical and spiritual, and would be able to have the courage to proclaim to your glory what you have done for him. Have mercy on him, Lord, and this, he is not enjoying the, afraid of the hospital experience, but Lord, may he find comfort in in you. Lord, we pray for the Delich family who's tragically lost son and brother, brother-in-law, uncle. Father, we just don't know how to pray sometimes when there is such great tragedy. Lord, we pray for his brother that he may also take this to heart and Lord, that you would provide comfort and redeem even this tragedy. And Lord, those who are broken, Lord, that they would know that even in this valley of the shadow of death, that you are with them. Father, there are many others who are also struggling under a great load and don't know where to turn. Father, we pray they may return to you. And, Lord, that a broken and a contrite heart you will not despise. May we indeed come to you with that attitude as we have heard that we may also experience your grace. We pray for your work this morning through the dear brother and meet his needs also. Father, may we, as your body, come to life and to shake off distraction, drowsiness, and Lord, to 
be busy about your kingdom, about those things that matter. Lord, we see life can so quickly end. Father, we pray that we would have no regrets when the time come, that we would work for the night is coming when men works no more. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. James is concerned, of the, concerned with the how of your faith. James makes it abundantly clear in this chapter later on that it's not enough to say that you believe, as he says also in the previous chapter. How do you believe? I embarked on, on this epistle, meditating through it. Um, if the Lord wills, we'll maybe get to the end of it. With the conviction that there are things in here that we need to consider this year. There are practical, straightforward instructions that we need to take to heart. Just think about this first chapter, cast your mind back, and it's all about the how of, of your faith, how you have this faith. How do you respond to temptations? How do you respond to trials that come your way? James has some real practical, simple instructions for, for, for you in that situation, brother, sister. Grab a hold of them, that first chapter. Read them over again. Think about them. How do you hear the word of God? Do you just hear it or do you do? Do you act on it? Is your religion all talk or is it pure and undefiled before God and works itself out in, in real works of charity and, and a real attitude of chastity? And so it is here in chapter 2, he comes to, to the, the how of our faith. He's not saying, don't have faith in Jesus Christ. He's saying, don't have faith in Jesus Christ with respect of persons. Don't put those two things together. Partiality and claim of faith in Jesus Christ, a representation of who he is, what he stands for, and then practice a, a selectiveness and a favoritism in how you deal with people. That's just not the nature of God. It's, not, it's a gross misrepresentation of who he is. And brothers and sisters, we all have to look within ourselves and say and identify those areas where we practice that partiality, where we favor the one over the other in the extension of the gospel of Christ. Maybe at the outset I should say that it's natural that you will be drawn to certain people, that you will be closer with, 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 other, with some people than others. I don't think that's what really James is talking about here. You know, God has people that are close to his heart, that he delights in, that have a special relationship with him. But the thing with God is that 
opportunity is open for everyone. Everyone, anyone, whosoever will may come. That is the, the no respect of persons with God. Is It's open. All his, his arms are open to receive. And it's really, that's the way it should be with us, that the love of God that flows through us should be available for everyone, everyone who we come across, everyone who meets us. Some people we will naturally be closer to. Some people we'll have a, more of an affinity with. But the love of God has a, just because of the nature of God, who he is, is so equal, as, as Brother Phil has already meditated on. James reminds me of some people that I've been fortunate enough to have in my life. The type of person who, kind of gruff maybe, will tell you things that are uncomfortable to hear, will say it straightforward and make you squirm a bit, but you know it's for your good. And behind that gruffness, there's a tenderness. I, I get that sense with James here. As this is early in the life of the church. It's, a, it's a, a one or two decades after Jesus has ascended. And here he's seeing, he, he takes the church to task right away. I'm seeing something and it's not good. And he'll tell it to you straight up. I need more of that. Speaking the truth in love in the way that he does. I think we all need a little bit more of that. Straightforwardness. Not being so afraid or concerned about the initial reaction, the initial... How is this going to be received as being concerned about the truth and the good of the person that we're speaking to? How that truth is going to penetrate their hearts. We all need a little bit more of James. The straightforward, no, no, nothing withheld. So a simple instruction here from James. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Simple instruction. And then he gives an illustration here that 2,000 years later we can still understand very well, clearly. And the, instruction, the illustration is your assembly. How do, how do you treat people when they come into your assembly, come into your church? You have one person that comes in, and he's obviously well off in his apparel, goodly apparel, gold ring. I read uh, uh, recently that they, in those days they even had things like a ring rental service. You know, if you didn't have some, uh, enough, you could rent some and have the appearance of wealth. And that's the heart of man, isn't it? Right? It's, it's, it's all on the exterior. I mean, today we've taken that however much further. You can rent your vehicle. You can rent this and that. You can have the appearance of wealth because that's really important. That's what's going to do things. That's what's going to affect people. But James isn't really focused on that. That's not the sin he's talking about here, the appearance of, of, of wealth. He says you have one person that looks obviously wealthy and he comes to your assembly and you have another person that's shabbily dressed, poor man in vile raiment. And you just, just something as simple. You don't say too much to them, but just your seating arrangements. Come here, have a nice seat up here. And this other one, well, you don't need to be treated as nicely. Something as simple as how we invite people, how we welcome them. 
does not show partiality. And because behind it, that's what really James is focusing on here, and he makes it clear, behind it is a heart that is not right with God and a heart that doesn't reflect who God is. He says, you have despised the poor. Wow. And I think he lays that at the, at the feet of the, the first century church. How much more maybe we, we could take that to heart in this day and age when things seem to be maybe more lukewarm and cooler. You have despised the poor. Because behind these, this treatment, this just little evidence of where you seat people, the honor that you give them in these little gestures, these places, there is a heart that, that's looking at self, looking at, wow, this rich person, what can they give us? They make the donation box a little, a little bit bigger. It's a little more comfortable to be with them, maybe a little bit easier to talk. They're, they have connections. They can get things done. What can the poor do for you? Inconvenience you? Ask for some of your goods? Awkward? And God says, no, that's not his heart. That's not where it's at. And James gives some, just some simple Examples here why this doesn't make sense. Hearken, my beloved brethren. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? The way that his kingdom is set up, it does not go according to the exterior and to the worldly trappings of wealth and, and, and power. He says it's, it's opposite. 1 Corinthians 1 Look about among you, brethren. Not many mighty, not many noble are called. God has chosen the poor. This is, that's, the, that's the measure of his kingdom, the, the standard of his kingdom, of, of bringing the low and exalting the low through faith so that God gets all of the glory and we don't get any of it by ourselves. He, he shares his glory. So he says, that's not how God's kingdom is set up, and it's not even common sense. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called? It's the rich and the powerful in this world that are going to give the church, that have given the church the most trouble historically. That's just the, the fact of it. And I'm sure it will be in the future too. So if we have this partiality of, of leaning towards those that are rich, those that are powerful, and not standing on the, the firm, even ground of the gospel. Know that God loves everyone. Whosoever will may come. With God, all things are possible. To proclaim that gospel, as Jesus, when he talked about the eye of the needle and how those who are rich are going to have such a hard time entering. But partiality isn't just about riches, rich versus poor. Partiality can manifest itself in so many different ways where we, for selfish reasons, for reasons that are not from God, prefer. One is easier to deal with than the other, whatever it is. It could be race, it could be good looks versus plainness, it could be education versus uneducated. It could be even the people that I feel naturally more comfortable. It's easier. We have a shared background, and we, we, can, we can talk. We, there's a lot of commonality. That's not a bad thing. 
See, this is, this is the nature of God's lack of partiality. It's not a bad thing that there's certain people I have an affinity with it's easier to deal with. But if I let the love of God just be confined to those people, it's no longer the love of God. It's no longer the way that he loves people. It is, has to be a free love, a, free, a love that embraces all. Whosoever will may come. And it's something we have to practice because by ourselves and of our own natural course, we will have certain ruts that we fall into, certain ways of doing things that are easy to do, but to be sensitive to the Spirit. When, the, when someone comes in that obviously needs that help, when someone in our life that we meet up with doesn't have everything together, that needs to hear the truth of the gospel, not to pull away and think, not my type. Through faith, that poor, struggling person, whoever we may naturally of ourselves despise, they can become part of the kingdom of God. That is the wonder of the gospel. That's the truth that you have to proclaim in this partial age Discrimination is the flavor of the, of the current times. You know, everyone gives credence to all uh, uh, diversity, inclusion, and whatever it is. I can't even remember the acronym. And we, we hear plenty about it at work, too. But I don't, I don't buy what this world is selling. It's counterfeit. It's not the real thing. It's not what we read here in James. It's not the real love of God that transcends, that goes even to your enemies, that type of love, this world, it, it can't have a training course to educate you on, computer-based learning that everyone needs to do. No, that's not the love of Christ. It's experienced only by relationship with him, by realizing just how poor you are and how, how miserable you are apart from God and his life. And then experiencing that love and then sharing it with people that are still opposing you and hating you. If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. The royal law according to the scripture. He comes to some, some um, passages here that, that may be confusing on first reading. You read through some of these and think, well, now is he telling me I have to keep the law, but I'm still saved by grace? And, and how does that all? And some people um, have not understood these things right and, and kind of pushed James to the back of the line, as it were, in terms of Scripture. But no, that's not the intention here. And, and, and it's, where does he say? So speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. And that phrase, I think, is the key to understanding this. The law of liberty. It's a law. It's not optional. This loving other people equally, without partiality, there's no option about it. 
It's a royal law. But it's a law of liberty. There is freedom in it. I want to do it because I know Jesus Christ. There is a, there's a, 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 freely I am willing to do this. And it's a law of freedom is that I am able to do this in Jesus Christ. I'm, I don't have to sin and despise the poor. I don't have to hate other people and, and push some people down at the expense of others. Or, sorry, elevate some people at the expense of others. It is a law of liberty. And, and Romans uh, 13 expre- expresses it another way. Uh, verses, verse 8, Romans 13. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, saying the law, this whole law, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. This law of liberty is the law of love. That's why James says, you know, you can't pick and choose and say, well, I, you know, I haven't committed adultery, but I've killed. You're a transgressor of the law, right? If I haven't loved my neighbor as myself, I haven't fulfilled the law. It's complete and entire. It's like a, a, a pane of glass that if you break one part of it, the whole thing will shatter because it's relational. I cannot say I love God and turn around and be partial. And, and treat some people in one way and another people in, in another way in terms of my favoritism. I, I can't say that. I cannot say that I love God. That's the law of love. It's complete and entire. It's a relationship. It, it doesn't allow me to, to say, well, in this area, I'm going to give myself a pass. It touches everything, every aspect of our life, every way that we deal with other people. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. And that may give you some dread. You may, you may think, oh, I'm going to have to give account for all those times that I've been partial. I, I've, I've, I've not loved the way that God, and there's a, a list, a, a long list, and I'm sure it's growing longer every day. But read the next verse. For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Start practicing mercy. Start exercising mercy more and more every day, and then you'll have confidence. As you appear before the love himself, the Lord of glory, and that day, because he will extend his mercy to you. But if you've never tasted, experienced, never practiced that mercy with others, what will you have to say before him at that day? Where there's conviction, there's life. Where there's prompting in our spirits of of a tugging, of a pulling, yeah, I'm not yet conformed to, to Jesus Christ, that's life.
That's, that's an indication of his spirit working in you. Respond to it. I'm convinced that this scripture, as all of the other scriptures of James, are very simple and very practical. They don't require um, detailed and big, long explanations. I think we understand, just even by a simple illustration that, that James has given, how these things are lived out. And, and, and may God give us that grace to, to just take a hold, hold on these things and practice them, brother and sister. James saw this in the, in the church, the early church. I'm sure if he were here now, he would have something strong and hard to hear to say to us. But the truth is, Jesus Christ is actually here now too. And he is saying those things too. He's saying them if we hear them, if we listen to them. Where are we partial? Where are we not reflecting the love of Jesus Christ in the way that he would, would have us practice it? Help us, dear Lord. That's the, that should be the prayer. Help us to discern where our thoughts... See, because that's where it starts with. The, 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 I know, you know, the, the internal commentary that I have when one person versus another person comes up, that internal commentary that starts, that's the point at which to turn to the Lord and ask, no, Lord, help me to love this person the way that you love him. Help me to see him with your eyes. Help me to practice the love that you've shed, you've poured out on me so freely. When that commentary starts, then that's where the Spirit comes in. That's where the Spirit prompts and responds, and, and, and that's where we respond to him. And we're able to fulfill this royal law. I don't have too much more to add to this. It's a little bit shorter than we normally are, but maybe we could leave that with you, that let us each examine this scripture and uh, ourselves, our lives, not to point the fingers at others, to identify the, the ways that they are partial and we can see that, but to look within ourselves where we are not practicing that love of Christ in, in perfection and in and in such power. That love really has its power. I would be remiss if I did not leave my friend outside of Christ with some words to think about too. This last verse here that we read really speaks to you. For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. I don't think there's a way, I'm sure there is no way that you can practice, share mercy without having experienced it yourself. The world will try its benevolent works, its charitable works, its uh, things that are good and moral, but they're skin deep. They only go so far. They're only for the headlines. 
They don't penetrate. They, they don't really go to the depth of the heart. And, and all that has to be seen is you're pushed in one way or another, uh, one aspect of your personal life or another, and then it comes out that the spiritual paucity, the emptiness that's there. It's only those that have experienced the, the mercy, the grace of Jesus Christ, that can really practice mercy. And consequently, those are the only ones that are going to be able to stand on that day before the righteous judge of all the earth, before whom heaven and earth flees away. Those are the only ones that will be able to stand in that day because they have tasted, experienced that mercy and have shared that mercy. Let me leave that with you, my friend, outside of Christ. There is no way you will be able to stand on that day. Not because you haven't completed a list of good works or, or um, because you have not done so much in the good column versus the bad column. No. It's because you have not accepted that mercy that grace that flows from Jesus Christ and consequently you haven't been able to share that in a genuine way with others. Even any good acts that you do, any acts of mercy and compassion, if they are outside of Jesus Christ, if they don't acknowledge him as the giver of them, you won't be able to stand before the Lord in that day and take credit for those things either. Because you basically said, yeah, I did it on my own. I didn't need your blood to do that. I wasn't standing upon the truth of the gospel when I acted in this way or that way. It is only by his mercy that we will be able to stand on that day. Brother, please find a hymn. This is a quite a uh, a sharp word of God, one that cuts. Last week we considered. Jesus leaving all the privilege he was fully entitled to being God, coming and humbling himself. Can you imagine, just, just imagine with me, what it was for him to come, humble himself on this planet, planet and see the way people treated each other. Here he was, leaving glory to come and serve, and they felt so entitled, so smug, so quick to judge the harlot, so quick to dismiss and hate the publican, so quick to trust in the length of their fringes, in their religious observations to make them superior, so quick to be partial. And here, the Lord of love has come to die for all, and they are making mountains out of molehills. And here we are. We are here. How do we see each other? Are ye not partial in yourselves and become judges of evil thoughts? 
ascribing motives. That person, you know, it's because of deserving. The word deserving. We, we don't think, see others as deserving when we are not deserving. We want to put criteria of who deserves our attention, our care, our friendship when we were not deserving ourselves. Identity. Who am I? What do I trust to make myself worthy and deserving? Is it how I'm dressed when I am here that I can look down on someone who is not? Is it how many generations my family is in the church to judge someone who might be newly walking in the door? Is it that I make certain religious observations that I feel entitled to judge those who are not so, who have some bad habits. And then, like the, the teeth in here, as, we, as the brother said, James tells us very straight that if I don't love my neighbor as myself, I'm sinning. If I'm being partial, if I respect other persons, I commit sin. And then he goes on to say, that means I'm guilty of the whole law. And he starts to say this is equivalent even to adultery and killing and that I, I transgress the law in the same way. And so I have, for, I, because I have judged without mercy, as the brother brought out, I am worthy of the same judgment. Our kingdom, our fellowship, our body is not built on a meritocracy. It's not built on us deserving based on what we have done and what we have contributed and who we are. It is based on the blood of Jesus. And so everyone, everyone is worthy. Anyone who comes through the doors and those that we see wandering in our lives in pain, and in problems, they are worthy because we have received mercy without judgment. Let us also extend the same. May, may people who come through these doors, even this morning, I saw someone sitting by themselves, no one speaking to them. Maybe I was in a rush, I feel in some ways, convicted that I was being the, the, the priest who's hurrying on his way to service in the temple. But no one spoke to him, sitting by himself. This isn't abstract. 
These are things that we can actually see in our circles today. Let us appreciate the grace by which we are saved and see each other through those eyes. Put aside judgment. Think, what would Jesus think if he was here about my attitude towards you when he has been so merciful? What a powerful chapter. May we implement it by his grace. With that, we conclude this morning's service.